welcome to your latest edition of an Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges, taboos, and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink, remembering that it is indeed five o'clock somewhere, so make it a whiskey, and settle in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and today we will be talking about the wonderful world of sales and marketing. And who better to talk to about this than Mark Banks, the man behind Refined Growth. He is a man on a mission to demystify sales and marketing for business owners and make the whole process so much more human. Hey, Mark. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this line of work. Yeah, sure. I don't know if we've got enough time, to be honest. <laughs> so I have worked in sales in various capacities for about 16 or 17 years. I started way back when in my early 20s in lovely boiler room style telesales or telemarketing <laughs> environments. Basically, I went to music college. Um, beyond that, I didn't have much in the way of an education, uh, much in the way of work experience. And there was a a very small business, a father and son operation around the corner from where I was living at the time. I'd done a little bit of traveling in Canada. I came back and I thought, you know, I need a job. I need to do something. So it was there. I was basically able to walk in and sit at a desk and I was put onto a automated dialing system. Uh, <laughs> not a pleasant experience, but we were doing, uh, Payment protection insurance, PPI, you know, have you been missold payment protection insurance on your loans and credit cards? It was literally just, yeah, hounding people at home. I think we helped some people get some money back, but yeah, it was a tough gig. So I had a few jobs like that in the early years, smashing the phones, basically in call center type environments. And I gradually worked my way up and at some point realized, hmm, actually, you can actually make a career out of this. And believe it or not, there is such a thing as a sales professional. I've worked at various stages of the sales cycle, worked for IT companies, you know, software, hardware distribution, all kinds of things. Ended up managing some sort of key corporate accounts, working with some pretty big organizations. So yeah, very varied, interesting experience over the years. And to answer your question of what led me to where I am now, I think what I noticed, because I predominantly worked, although I did work with some fairly large organizations as clients, the companies I worked for as an employee were typically small to medium sized, 20 to 50 employees, so not huge corporates for the most part. And what I found is that time and time again, not in all cases, but in many cases, there was a, just a, a lack of strategy, a lack of planning and process, both at the individual level of salespeople, but also the business as a whole. I can remember speaking to leaders, trying to understand what is our market strategy, you know, what there wasn't really a clear sales process. Everybody's just kind of winging it and doing their own thing and inconsistently doing their own thing. There isn't a repeatable thing there. And a lot of the times when I'd ask about this, there wasn't really a clear answer. And it was just very frustrating. In sales, the average tenure of a salesperson these days is about 12 months, sometimes less. So sellers are frequently changing jobs. And this is basically the path that my career took. And I, I, I guess I got to a point where it was a lot of these factors combined just into this like storm of frustration. And I'd had enough of being the guy that's just, you know, complaining about bitching and moaning and about the company sure. and all the things that are going wrong. And I thought, you know what, 
I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and try and do this for myself. You know, I'd, I'd produced good results over the years. So I thought, yeah, let's try something of my own. And, and here you are. And here you are. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. It's yeah. Coming back to that, what you were saying about the, the average tenure, I've, I've just finished a book by a guy called Martin Seligman, mm -hmm. and he dedicated a lot of chapters in his book to people that work in sales and how the turnover rate was massive within sales. Yes. It's, I'm going to come back to sales and people's perceptions of that shortly, because yeah. I think this is a key area and I'm assuming it's an area that you're working a lot with now with your new clients. But thinking about sales, I think sales and marketing, especially I think sales is often described as the dark art of business. Many business owners, they cringe at the prospect of doing sales. They cringe at the, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I can't do that. I'm not going to be able to sell to people. And I think part of the reason maybe is because of high pressure sales tactics and certainly on the marketing front. The fact that people feel they need to be surgically attached to social media 57 hours a day. I really want to get your take on this because obviously you just said that there's a career sales sure. professional. You're working within sales. Your business is all about sales and marketing. So to start with, how would you define sales? What is sales in your opinion? Okay. Yeah. I can tell you what sales isn't. Sales isn't deceiving people. It's not pressuring people or manipulating people. Of course, I'd be lying if I said that these tactics aren't used by people, but I don't class that as selling. I class that as just Machiavellian manipulation or just brute force trying to pester people into buying. I was going to name some industries, but I won't because I don't want to upset anybody. But yeah, it's railroading people into a decision that may or may not be in their best interest because you're chasing the next commission payment or whatever. In terms of what sales is, there's a great book by Tony Hughes called Combo Prospecting. And there's a line that he uses in there. And it's not really a key theme of the book, but it's something he says, which is that sales is the transference of belief. So I believe in what I do, right? I believe in the value that I provide to my clients, uh, the outcomes that I can help them achieve, positive outcomes, yeah. of course. And because I have that belief, I'm passionate about what I do. But at the same time, I'm curious enough about the other person or the other organization that I'm speaking to that I align what I'm doing and what I'm saying to their objectives, their challenges, because I've had the curiosity to understand what that is, right? So because I have that passion, because I have that curiosity, that belief, I can transfer it to the other person. I know this is all very high level conceptual stuff, but really it's about, I have a belief and I want to transfer that belief to you, whether that belief is that you believe that I can help you or simply that you have a problem and I want to help you understand that there is a better way of doing it or that there is actually a way of solving this problem that you have. Sometimes it's a case of just helping someone to identify a problem that they weren't even aware of in how they're running their business. Something else I would say about sales as well is that, <clears throat> that sales is an art and a science. So there's a performative side of sales and there's the science or the data driven side of sales as well you see a lot on linkedin these days a lot of content creators influence talking about different tools and technology and sequences and email templates voicemail templates. what should you say on a cold call and things like this 
And while, yes, there's value in a lot of that stuff and you do need to consider it, as I say, sales is performative as well. There is an art to it. So it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. It's how you communicate. And to go back to what I was saying about businesses lacking strategy, lacking process, if you can combine the art with the science and do things consistently, then you start to gather data. You know, you start to realize, hmm, well, if I approach this type of person in this way, I typically get this kind of outcome. Um, and obviously we have CRM tools, we have different sure. software that help us measure things like email response rates or, you know, win sure. rates on sales opportunities and things like that. So over time, you do start to gather enough data that you can take a scientific approach to it as well. But ultimately, whether it's business to business, business to consumer, whatever you want to call it, it's human to human. So yeah, it's an art and a science. Okay. So I think, and I know we've talked about this before, I mean, when you start seeing sales or marketing as a conversation yeah. between people, all of a sudden that just makes it a lot more human mm-hmm. and a little less sure. corporate. But in terms of the people you're speaking to right now, your clients and people that you've spoken to over the years, the, the business owners, why do you think people are struggling so much with this side of the business? Because I'm sure you've come across it. People, you say the word sales to a business owner, they go, I'm not a salesperson. But why do you think they're struggling so much with it? Oh, there's so much there. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that, you know, when we grow up, a lot of us are told things like, don't talk to strangers. It's rude to interrupt. It's rude to ask too many questions. Um, it's considered uncouth to talk about money <laughs> in oh. certain situations. And, and these are all things that we need to do. You know, in sales, in business, we need to have these conversations. You need to understand, am I speaking to the right person? Do they actually have the budget to, to even consider my product, my service, whatever it is? Um, yeah, and, and I, think, I think a lot of people they either misunderstand or they underestimate what selling is. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people think that you can simply, you know, say the right things in the right order and that will get results. Or if you're just passionate enough, then people will buy into that. I said sales is the transference of belief, but it's not just about throwing out, oh, it's so great. I can help you because of da, 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 da. You know, there's more to it than that. There's psychology to consider and, and there's there's a lot there. Um, but yeah, I think if we're talking real like small business owners, solo entrepreneurs that are just starting out, yeah, if you don't come from a sales background, then I think, like I say, a lot of people, yeah, they misunderstand it. They underestimate what's involved. Uh, the obvious answer is confidence as well. You know, okay. uh, there's a lot of factors there. Hopefully that... For sure, for sure. I think obviously, like you said, passion, confidence and asking the right questions. Absolutely Mm -hmm. key here. And I guess over time, and maybe if you've not been in the sales role before, you're not used to the word no. I'm assuming that that is going to be a big problem for some people. The fact that it's my business and people are saying no to me, the fact that they make it more personal. Would that be, is that something you come oh, across? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy in Belgium that I really like. His name's Michael Humblet. Um, he's on LinkedIn. He does YouTube videos. He has a business called Chaomatic. I recommend following him. He's a really good guy. He says, in sales, we swim in a lake of rejection. I love this because it's so true. You need to embrace it. 
and when I say sales, I don't mean a sales career. I just mean generally in business, yeah. you know, when you're speaking to people, you need to be doing enough activity and really getting enough no's and enough rejection to get to the yeses. Yeah. But we don't like that. You know, we hate rejection. We take it personally. See, this goes back as well to the art and the science thing and the sales process thing. So I like to talk in terms of a hypothesis, right? So you've got a hypothesis. I think that this type of message may resonate with this type of stakeholder within this type of business or whatever it is. And you can build that out into an email or a call, uh, a sequence of some kind. But if you just treat that as a hypothesis or as an experiment, then you can detach yourself from yeah. it. Because, and it's not that they're rejecting you, you know, don't take it to heart. They're just rejecting what you're saying, or they're just re rejecting that iteration that you're just trying out. Right. So I, I think to some extent it's about managing expectations and just understanding that in business and in life, we, we try things, sometimes they fail, sometimes they succeed, but even if you can succeed just a small percentage of the time, then over time that is going to build incrementally. Um, and compound to, to, to greater success for you. Absolutely. That kind of links into James Clear sort of thinking there. Those repeated actions time after time after time after time. And yeah, I, I was thinking very much as you were speaking there again, coming back to Martin Seligman, um, his example of people that succeed in sales um, that are able to best handle rejection, that can dust themselves up after getting those no's so that they keep on making the calls or keep on sending the emails knowing that okay so today i've got a no but i'm maybe yeah. i'm a step nearer to the yes and yeah. i think it's also important for people to know as well um, if there's anybody that's new to this out there that there's lots of different reasons for no's it's not just your product there can be lots of reasons why the client or the potential client says no right yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe they're, they're having a bad day. They had an argument with their, their other half or maybe they're, they're just too busy to even consider it. They don't have the, the mental bandwidth to, to consider what you're talking about at that time. Um, yeah, or again, it, it could be the way that you've communicated it, which again means that they're not rejecting you or necessarily your offering, but just the way that you've presented it. So you need to take that as, as experience, as, as maybe a data point that, and look at that step back and look at it in the broader context and think, right, maybe for the next one, I can tweak this, tweak that. And eventually you'll get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to move on. You've mentioned the word strategy a lot there, and this is something that keeps mm -hmm. on coming up over on LinkedIn and the business world. And the moment you mention the term strategy to some people, again, I don't know whether it's the corporate word there but it freaks people out they're like strategy what's mm. one of those and i think that a lot of people probably overcomplicate this so let's mm. demystify it let's try and break this down and simplify it for people here what is a sales strategy and how do you get started okay so when I speak to clients, I like to break things down into skills, systems, and strategy, right? Because I do sales training with groups. I do coaching one-to-one -one with people, and I also help with the strategy. So as I say, skills, system, strategy. Skills, I would say, is 
the traditional sales stuff that you would get in training and in coaching. So it's, it could be anything from how to introduce yourself on the phone or how to overcome objections, how to ask good questions, how to give a good demo if you sell software, for example, things like that. Systems, so we know what a, a good email looks like or a good LinkedIn outreach. Let's build that out into a sequence, a, a process of sorts at the mid-level and I would also include things like systems, the technology, the tools that you might use, different platforms. You know, you might be uh, using Vidyard to send videos to people. You might be using, as I say, LinkedIn or Sales Navigator to build your network. And then strategy is you've got the tactics, you've got the how that plays out into a sequence of activities and the tools that enable that, but that needs to be underpinned by your broader business goals and objectives and anticipating challenges that prevent you from getting from A to B. So <clears throat> what I say to clients is, yes, we can train you guys, or I can advise on good tech that you can use or whatever it is and build that out into a sequence, but let's first understand your broader process, right? So um, why do you win deals? Why do you lose clients? Why do they slip? Sometimes you think that a client is gonna sign with you in Q1 and it slips into Q2, for example. This sort of stuff is very important because this affects the accuracy. If you've got a team of people that are all submitting a sales forecast, you need that as accurate as possible because that that goes up the food chain, right? Mm -hmm. The sales manager collates that, gives that to the, you know, let's say the MD, for example, they may need to then present that to the board of directors and that will then inform their buying decisions, their investment decisions and hiring decisions and things like that for the year as a whole. Um, so this stuff really does maybe not trickle down, but flows upwards. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. In terms of the implications of the information being provided. So that's how I would differentiate those things, skills, systems, and strategy. Yeah. I mean, in terms there. of strategy, say they're starting out in business, maybe they're flying solo, or maybe a micro yeah. business and they're coming at, okay. they're thinking about it. Okay, well, I'm starting out. I need to let people know who I am. I need to let people know what yeah. my business is all about. Let's just say, for example, they're going to go onto LinkedIn. They've decided they're going to go on LinkedIn. That's going to be the method that they're going to use for their primary marketing and sales processes. So yep. in terms of a strategy, because there's obviously a lot of white noise out there. There's obviously a lot of gurus saying you need to do this. You need to do this. You've got to do this. If you buy my system for only 97 pounds or whatever it is, or nine, nine, seven, 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 or whatever the, the magic number is at the, the, the moment. Absolutely. Buy my magic uh, bullet and you will have clients coming out of every orifice. Um, for example, when you say strategy to them, I mean, what is it that they should be realistically like simple steps that would be make sense for them to start with yeah anything i say i should probably preface it by saying that if you've just started or in your first you're in your first six 12 24 months of business the, and you can probably uh, attest to this actually it's probably going to take a lot of left turns along the way you know what, what you, you you want to be as clear on your vision as possible on what you want to do and the value you provide but what you will probably find is that when you actually start engaging with people and you put yourself out there and maybe do some work with some clients, you'll narrow it down, you'll refine it, you'll, you may realize, hmm, actually, I'd rather be doing this. So it may evolve over time. But with that said, I would say that understand, firstly, 
what do you want to be doing? What is the value that you provide and how can you communicate that in, you know, in a concise manner? Um, if I said to you, what do you do? How can you communicate that in just a couple of sentences? I like to think of it in terms of your LinkedIn headline, for example, if you had to fit that into your LinkedIn headline and communicate that to the wider world, what you do, but in a way that is, yes, it's concise, but it's a little bit unique, you know? So you don't just say, I'm a coach or something like that. And some of that stems also from understanding, you know, we talk about your ideal customer profile. Who do you want to be working with and who would stand to benefit the most from what you do? It's important to understand that. And we talk about the things like a buyer personas, but ultimately remember that the you're, you're dealing with people. Sure. As I said, it could be B2B, B2C, but it's H to H it's human to human. I love that. So yes, it's good to understand some of the top level stuff. Like say you're selling into businesses, for example, you might think, well, I sell to uh, my ideal contact or persona is a marketing manager for a key managed service provider of a certain size employee count or you know something like that you know or in a certain industry but maybe dig a little bit deeper understand like what what makes these people tick what gets them out of bed in the morning what does success look like to them how what are they measured on if you are selling into businesses then maybe step back okay how does their role play into the broader business goals okay. and you start to build out a bigger picture. Um, and I, I think I mentioned curiosity a few minutes ago. And a lot of that does start from curiosity because you may have a hypothesis of what this may be, but when you start talking to people, keep an open mind, ask lots of questions. I would say to people, ask more and tell less. So yeah, we're kind of getting into the tactics here rather than broader strategy. But yeah, I would say it starts from understanding what is your value? who stands to gain the most from that? And then where are you likely to find them? So you've mentioned LinkedIn, for example, which if we're selling to, to B2B, then it usually is LinkedIn. I could go on, but I'll let you <laughs> chime in or ask other questions. No, no, I, t I totally get that. Like you said, the questions, super important. Now, I did want to kind of dive into one area that you said, because um, say, if it's anything like the trajectory I went on when I started business, I invested in courses about how to use LinkedIn, about how to do this. And a lot of them, the message was you need to niche down. You need to be ultra niche. You need to know what your ideal client has for breakfast. You need to know what color nail varnish they wear. I mean, it got super, super, super detailed. And yeah. for me, that just baffled the hell out of me. I was like, how is this relevant? Why do I need to know that? So in mm. terms of niching down, in terms of getting a clear idea of a potential client, do you really need to go down or, or can that be refined as you go? Or is it okay to stay broad? Because I know for a lot of business owners, when you tell them the niche, it's like, well, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Why am I going to niche? It, there's a lot of confusion around this subject. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, the old thing, if you, if you sell to everyone, you'll sell to no one. I've spoken to a, a fair few people where I've said, who is a good client? Who was a good introduction, a good referral for you? And they're like, well, anyone really i can i can help anyone or women something like that and i'm like right but 
Mm. I don't want to give unsolicited advice to people in the, in those situations, but yeah, you do think, um, yeah, maybe you want to narrow that down a little bit. Um, I think you can go a bit crazy with it. I remember seeing some like HubSpot, for example, they put out a lot of templates and tools that you can use for this, these types of purposes. And I do remember seeing one of their buyer persona things and yeah, it was getting down to like, maybe it wasn't this crazy, but you start thinking, oh, what's their favorite breakfast cereal and what side of the bed? You know, it's just really silly stuff. I think you can go a bit crazy with it because as I said, you're dealing with people. So for me, I'll tell you how I approach it. Right. So because of my experience in my career and just naturally the clients that tend to be gravitating towards me, um, I would say that my sweet spot is I would usually reach out to, to sales directors, um, heads of sales, VPs of sales for um, broadly IT or technology companies. That could be software, hardware. It could be service orientated IT support providers, that sort of thing. Um, and I would say that because of, uh, again, my experience in my career, I would say that of a certain size, 20 to 50 employees. So, you know, relatively small SMEs. Okay. Now, do I need to go any deeper than that? I don't know. I mean, I, I could do, but for me, it's more about understanding the decision-making process. And I know it's different for different people because we're not all selling into businesses where there might be multiple people involved in that. Um, but if perhaps if I explain this, it might help some of the listeners sure, to um, some of the audience to, to figure it out for themselves. Because for me, I, I think, well, how do they make decisions? I touched on like, what does success look like for them? What could be getting in the way of that? Um, if I'm speaking to a sales director, well, chances are, if we're talking sales training and I'm bringing the broader strategy topic into the conversation, then they're probably gonna need to get that signed off by a finance director or the managing director or someone like that, which means that I'm probably gonna need to have a conversation with them as well at some point to get buy-in from them and to see if they want to provide any input and also to get their perspective on things. So, yeah, so we're going off off course a little bit um, from your question, but that's kind of how I approach it. So I I don't know, does does that help? I think it... Uh, I know that's very specific to me, but... Well, I mean, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? And it's always going to be specific to the individual, the individual business the niche you're working within are you targeting smes are you targeting big corporations are you targeting solo business owners i think there will always be that element um so i think just having a guideline just to start with maybe the broad strokes would be useful to have that and then obviously refining the process as people go on so talking about refining the process for anyone who's starting out on this journey, so let's just say they're, they're a new business owner, uh, they're all set up, they're ready to go, they're ready to market, they're ready to sell. They haven't got a clue how to do it, but they're ready, they've got the passion, they're excited, the product's ready. So what things would you tell them to avoid doing when they get started? For anyone... Just getting started in their business, yeah, there are a few things to avoid. Being passive, you know, get busy. <laughs> I know it sounds really basic, but there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people. There's nothing wrong with growing your network. So say you're on LinkedIn, for example. You know, LinkedIn allows you to connect with 100 people a week. Yeah. 
So use that, do it. Don't worry about pestering people. I suppose it ties into the next thing that yes, you don't want to be sending out the same old rubbish messages and emails that you probably already get where it's like, hi, Ashley, I hope you're safe and well in these troubling and uncertain times. I'm reaching out to you today because we are a leading provider in these widgets or whatever, and you know, <laughs> bullet points of features. No, oh, that's just gross. Yeah, that's um, a negative for me. Yes. If you're doing that, then yeah, maybe rethink your approach, but and maybe we can get onto some of the LinkedIn and connection thing stuff in a little while if you want yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. But I would say, uh, I know you said what not to do, but you get clear on your target market. One thing I would say is kind of a, a double barrel one is stop looking for shortcuts and, and magic bullets and all of that stuff. Your success and your financial freedom or whatever you're looking for isn't going to come necessarily from a masterclass, a course with the price ending at a seven or whatever it is, or someone who's, you've gone through their sales funnel and you've downloaded their freebie and then they put you in their mail. I'm not saying that these people aren't genuine and this is a legitimate way of doing a marketing funnel or whatever, um, but there are only so many courses you can do. There are only so many things you can sign up for, articles you can read, YouTube videos you can watch before. You need to stop procrastinating and just get out there and do it, right? Just sure. like I say, reach out to people, make the mistakes, um, put yourself out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm very fond of saying, and it has a habit of showing up in virtually everything I write at the moment, be that blog or social media posts or when I'm doing the videos, mm. people aren't mind readers. If you're not showing exactly. up and you're not exactly. letting them know that you're available, then how the bloody hell are they going to know? And, and we kind yeah. of touched upon this just before we went live, how I was saying that I've been just been doing a load of sales posts on LinkedIn right now because I've got something to sell. So, yeah. And I know that product is going to help people. So surely I'm doing a disservice to both potential clients and myself by not letting people know about that. You've earned the right to do that. You've been showing up consistently for weeks, for months, providing valuable content. You see the common thing, and I know we've touched on this before, where I don't know if it's a formula that people are getting from someone or from somewhere, but you often see people that are just starting out that a lot of their content looks very similar. On LinkedIn, for example, where it's like the kind of generic Canva template as an image, and then it will be, you know, you have these five problems and then it's like boom here's a link to my calendly page book a session with me and it's straight into a call to action and it's quite surface level stuff so yeah it i would say you need you, you need to earn the right to do that uh, for example I, I made a commitment in january uh, i think like a third of january to start posting every day on linkedin um i think i'm about 95 percent consistent with that so I started at the beginning of January and I was probably getting into mid to late February before I ever included any kind of call to action. So we're talking 30, 40, 50 pieces of content uh, before I ever asked for anything. And even now I'd say maybe five to 10% of my posts have a call to action. Sure. And that'll be if I put up like a client testimonial or something. And in as a comment, I'll just put, find out more about this with a link and that's it. So, um, yeah, I would say in terms of what to not, what not to do, um, don't just show up and start pitching everybody, um, show your expertise, show the value, give people a taste of what you're all about. 
um, in terms of, yes, your expertise, but also your personality. Okay, fabulous. <laughs> so it's nice that you said the personality side of things. I think that's a big thing. Um, obviously, on a platform yeah, like LinkedIn, sure. it's a subject that's open for debate on how people show that personality. But I'd say, and it'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, I'd say do what works for you and your people. Show up in a way that represents your business, that's aligned with your values, that adds value to your people and communicates what you're all about. Because as after all, we're all human. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like such a, a trite, cliched answer <laughs> to say, you know, there needs to be balance. <laughs> Obviously, there needs to be balance. But yeah, I think more than that, you know, you can understand it on a slightly deeper level. So the way I look at it is when I create content, I'm right. I'm not perfect with this, right? Sometimes it's like, oh man, I need to think of something and I'll bash something out. It may do well, it may not, whatever. For me, it's just about consistency some days, you know, I just want to get something out. But generally speaking, I like to have a purpose for whatever I'm doing. So if I'm doing a thought leadership piece, let's say, or just some tips on something or, you know, a demonstration of what not to do versus what to do or something. And there's a reason for that. I want people to see that I do know what I'm talking about, but also I want to help people out by providing a bit of insight, a bit of advice that they may not have considered. Now on the flip side with the personal stuff, yes, maybe once or twice a week, I'll have a personal post. I don't often put selfies out, although I notice that they do very well. They do <laughs> very well. Engagement. Might be, yeah, it might be a photo that I took when I'm out for, going for a walk or something like that in nice scenery here in Scotland. My purpose for doing that is I understand that personal posts, cat pictures, selfies, whatever it is, they're probably going to get more engagement, a little bit more reach, a little bit more views than, you know, than your industry focused one or your five top tips in a very specific niche area. Um, but are they people that are going to become clients maybe maybe not however i still think it's good to do it because it's like a booster shot of reach and engagement in your feed generally if that makes sense yeah so i feel like it, it just it kind of nudges the benchmark up a little bit now i'm talking very unscientifically i'm not an expert in the good old algorithm or anything like that but that's kind of the way i look at it because if i've got one or two posts a week that i'm pretty much guaranteed to get 30, 40, 50 people engaging with it. That can only help my other posts, surely. Just another thought, and I know you didn't ask this, but just another thing to think about. When you're putting content out, you, you might only get a few people liking it. But if they're engaged and they're consistently showing up on your posts, then bear that in mind because those people might become your clients at some point. Um, and also the people that don't engage, the lurkers, the lurkers. You know, the people that are you'll never know about yeah they may be your biggest advocates i've had it where i've gone to uh face-to-face -face business networking events for example and i've had people come up to me like oh mark you know i watch your linkedin lives you know <laughs> or uh, you know i like your content or something I'm, uh, and I, sometimes there's a joke i'll be like oh you could give me a, a like from time to time you know, come on <laughs> yeah, it's like, comment on my stuff spread my content I yeah, like like, it. Well, seen... <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's, yeah, it's amazing how that happens. But again, that comes from consistency and showing up and really being focused on the value that I'm providing rather than every post just being like, here's my call to action. Please book a session with me. Yeah, almost smack of desperation sometimes, depending on how obviously how you're delivering that. 
And I think it's important. You were talking about the people that came up to you and oh, I've seen you on LinkedIn. I was at my sister's birthday party the other week and I had three people come up to me and go, I love your videos on LinkedIn. I was like, what? Who are you? Sort of thing. Yeah, like, no, no, no. I'm the video guy. Um, and, and people, yeah, I've arrived. Um, and, but it's, it's so true. You never know who's watching. You never know because yeah. some people don't interact. Yeah. Some people literally just consume content. They go on, they look, they read, they observe. And like you say, and I think that's a really important thing to know, especially for anyone out there that gets obsessed with the vanity metrics and goes, oh, nobody likes my content. How do you know? There's no evidence that nobody likes it. If you keep on doing it, if you're being consistent, people will watch and people are following. And it's all about that intention. I mean, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to add value? Then put it out. It, I feel like you have an obligation. If you have knowledge and experience, expertise, whatever, that you can share with the world. I think it's literally your obligation to put it out there. And if that resonates with one person, if that makes one person's life easier, it just spirals. And I just think it's an amazing thing. And sure, they may not become a client, but they may become your biggest advocate. And yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of power in that. And just to come back to your personal posts as well, I think if, if your content is getting out into the world, yeah, sure, it might not be people that might buy from you. It might not be people that will ever be your clients, but they might know people who do need your services, people that would really benefit from what you have to offer. So it's, it's one of the things when I hear people are super niched with how they're approaching LinkedIn, sometimes I just give them a note of caution to maybe spread the net a little bit further. They've got their intention, but maybe if they've got their net spread a little bit further, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, so just sort of come full circle with the sales process and strategy stuff. I treat the content as part of my broader process or strategy because you wanna be taking people, for them to become your client, you need to take them from unaware to aware to interested. Right. So they're unaware of you. They're unaware of maybe the problems they have that you can solve or the opportunities that you can help them seize upon. You need to take them into awareness and then take them into interest. But to do that, you need to exist in their sphere of consciousness. Right. And for them to become interested in even having a conversation with you, I think it really helps to have a library of content out there because it builds credibility. You know, you're out there in the public sphere and um, in the public space and the thing I like what you said about casting a slightly wider net, but again, it comes back to having realistic expectations. So yeah. it, it, you get a nice little endorphin release when you say, Oh, I got 10, 20, 30, 40 likes on my post or, or, you know, I mean, you get, you get double what I get. So yeah, but you're like, you're like 20, Ooh, that's rubbish. But um, bear in mind that whether you are reaching out to somebody through a message or a networking group or a phone call, an email or smoke signals, it doesn't matter. Um, they're probably going to want to check you out online. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine so. Oh, sure. um, and if you've got a small, mod modest, but a consistent following of people that are consistently 15, 20, 25 people liking your posts every day or every couple of days, 
think about it. You have a potential client that goes and looks at that and they're like, oh, this person is, is out there. You know, they're, they're doing it. They're, they're, they're instant credibility, social proof, boom. And so I've heard it said before, someone said your content, all of your posts are like little mini salespeople that are out there selling for you yeah, day in, day out. Um, and, and it's definitely helped me get a couple of clients over the line, at least in, in, in recent times. So, Yeah, it's funny. I described yesterday, and it never really occurred to me before, but, but I was on a call yesterday, and I said, uh, basically, your content is almost like your cold calling sort of thing, your, or your outreach to a certain extent, because mm. you're putting it out there, and people are getting to see a little bit about Okay, so this is what this person does. Okay, I'm going to maybe follow this person and just see more about who they are, what they do. And and over time, that compounds and you get to know more about them yeah. and go, yep, without a shadow of a doubt, that's the person I need to speak to um, when they're ready to come and speak to you. So I think that's super, yeah. super important that that approach for sure for sure so in terms of the sales and marketing support if there's any listeners out there that are starting their journey and thinking look i'm completely lost here i need some help do you have any offers or services available right now that are ideal for them yeah so if we're talking about people that are just getting started, you can work with me ongoing, but I also do one-off sessions. Um, I do two different types, although we can, you know, tailor it to, to whatever you need, but typically there'll be the, um, uh, it's all about branding, right? So I'll call it a sales machine tune-up or your sales tune-up is one of them where we will dig into, right? Let's really define your ideal customer profile, get very clear on your value proposition, and then start to put together the bones of a, of a sales plan, a prospecting plan or something like that, um, just so that you can really prioritize your activities. And we could probably touch on some of the conversational stuff so that you don't feel like you're being salesy or you're coming across as cringy when you approach people. The other side of it uh, that I do is, uh, again, it's all about the branding. So I call it a LinkedIn supercharge session. So if you are using LinkedIn um, and you're not getting the results you want from it, or if you're just quite new to the platform, then, you know, we can sit down, we'll do a full review of your profile, everything from your header image, all the way down to your about section, your featured recommendations, all of that stuff. Um, and again, we can build out a plan in terms of your inbound activities. So that's your content creation and, you know, attracting people to you, but also your, some of your outbound stuff. So connecting to people, building your network and doing that in a way that isn't off-putting to other people. Awesome. Awesome. If you do want to know more about that, check out my LinkedIn profile um, and go to my featured section and you'll see some, some links there. Fabulous. Thank you very much. So before we set off into the sunset, I have one final question for you, sir. What is your Fire espresso away. shot of confidence? Hmm. One thing that really helps me is I throw this phrase out and this actually comes from the book I mentioned earlier, Combo Prospecting by Tony Hughes. Passionate curiosity, passionate curiosity. So, you know, be passionately curious about your, your audience, your potential clients, the people that you work with, your contacts and so on. And the reason I like this is because it gets you asking more and telling less, you know, so you're asking more questions, getting other people talking about themselves. But also I think that from a confidence standpoint, for me, it helps me get out of my own head. So 
let's say, for example, I have a meeting with a potential client or I'm going to a business networking group or something like that. It can be very easy to overthink these things and, and you know, oh, well, I have to figure out my elevator pitch or I have to make sure I say the right things to this person, otherwise they're going to reject me or whatever. Yes, you want to prepare, obviously. You want to do the work up front. But if you just go into it with an open mind, a curious mindset, then they'll do a lot of the heavy lifting for you because you can ask the questions, you can poke them and probe them in the right way. Um, not in a Machiavellian way, like I say, where you're trying to manipulate them and railroad them into something, but just chill. Think about things from the other person's point of view and that'll take you a long way. Up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So much value that you've added today. And I think we've definitely demystified some elements of the sales and marketing approach for, for the listeners. So thank you very much for joining us today, Mark. Thanks for having oh, me. It's been awesome. Pleasure's all mine. Oh, it's been awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And thank you very much for the listeners who have stopped by wherever they are in the universe today. And that's it for this episode. To get notifications on any future episodes when they drop, please subscribe to whatever channel you're listening or watching this on. And all that is left to say is have an awesome day, life, evening, afterlife. And as always, don't forget to be awesome.